Welcome to the Vitality Radio Podcast, your source for the truth about health, wellness, and real alternatives to drugs, surgeries, and the status quo of healthcare. Here, you'll find information that empowers you to take control of your health. But it's not just about health and wellness, it's about the politics of healthcare and protecting your health freedom. Now, here's your host, Jared St. Clair. Welcome to Vitality Radio. I'm your host each and every week. My name is Jared St. Clair, and today I have a question for you that is a question that I hear all the time at Vitality Nutrition, and that is, do you have gas or bloating after meals or basically general stomach discomfort after meals? That can include cramping and things like that as well. I have people come in all the time saying, I have, I'm gassy and bloated after I eat. What do I do about it? Super common question and one that I answer via Instagram, um, in person at Vitality, on the phone with my one-on-one nutritional consult clients. It's super, super common. I spend a lot of time talking about digestion, but this episode I think is going to be really, really actionable. A lot of really great information in hopefully very easy to digest, pardon the pun, uh, in, in an easy to digest form, we'll say, that you can utilize right now to start improving your digestive health. There are many reasons that you may struggle with this, but I have found that the majority of the time, if people do a little experimenting and um, play around with their diet and with their Uh, stress levels and their supplementation that they can resolve this issue more easily than they might think. For those of you who don't deal with this specific issue, I bet you have friends or family that do, and maybe you can share this episode with them. But if not, what I'm about to share with you will still go a long way towards improving the efficiency of your digestive system and therefore improving your overall wellness. Remember, of course, before I start, I am not a doctor, and this is not medical advice. This is for educational purposes only. And now, oh, and, 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 if you have questions about what you hear, of course, give us a call, 801-292-6662, or jump online, vitalitynutrition.com. Okay, so here, the first thing I'm going to ask you are the questions that I ask clients when they come in one-on-one with me asking me questions about this. The first thing I ask is, what does your antibiotic history look like? Now, most people don't know what that even means exactly, so I have to go into a little bit more detail. But basically, I'm very concerned about what antibiotics you may have had between the ages of birth and four years old. And what were the most recent antibiotics and for what reason? And do you deal with any chronic infections such as sinus infections, urinary tract infections, ear infections, strep throat, you know, those types of things? And the reason I ask those questions is because that gives me a really good picture as to what might be going on in the microbiome. And of course, the microbiome is, you know, ground zero for uh, the health of the the digestive system. So it's a really, really critical uh, set of questions to ask yourself. If you have been on antibiotics as a child for, you know, ear infections, if you ended up having tubes put in your ears, any of those types of things, um, or if you had, you know, other chronic issues as a child that they treated with antibiotics, that's a big deal because the fully formed human microbiome 
adult human microbiome happens by about the age of three and a half or four years old. And if it doesn't get fully formed, as it would in the absence of antibiotics, then it simply doesn't get fully formed and we start out in a hole. That also, the other big question I ask that is not antibiotic related, but is microbiome related, sorry, is were you nursed uh, by your mother and for how long? Was it at least a year to 15 months? Um, if not, there's another hole that you started out in. Were you a natural uh, vaginal birth or were you a cesarean section like I was? And if you were cesarean, that's a big hole that you were born in as well. So I started out in a hole. My mother did her best by nursing me for two and a half years after that to try to get me built back up. And then, of course, the way that we ate when I was a child was, um, you know, cleaner than most and loaded with more nutrition than most. And thankfully, uh, I think she got me out of that hole fairly effectively. But also because of the wisdom of my parents, I was never on an antibiotic as a child ever. In fact, I was never on an antibiotic until I had surgery when I was 45 years old. Six years ago was the first time I had an antibiotic. And so the point is, it can be done. You can avoid these things. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in the future. But if you have not avoided these things, then the microbiome is the very, very starting point. And I'll go into that in a little bit more detail here in a minute. The next question is, what's your age? Are you over the age of 35, 40, over the age of 50? Those numbers matter because by about 35 to 40 years old, many people in America, if not most people, well, okay, I'll start over. Most people in America, if not all, are going to be pretty deficient in digestive enzymes by the time they're in their 40s and oftentimes younger than that. And that is a combination of a few things that are, that are going on there. The first is we are unintentionally, I think, um, just beating the heck <laughs> out of our digestive systems in a variety of different ways. But one of the ways that we're hammering our digestive system is by forcing it to overproduce digestive enzymes because we are eating on the run, under stress, where the body is having a very difficult time breaking food down. I'll go into that in a little bit here in more detail. And we are also uh, running into the problem as um, uh, of this kind of paying the piper for how we ate when we were younger. Uh, processed foods are devoid of enzymes. Cooked foods are devoid of enzymes. Uh, and there are so many things that we do to ourselves in terms of our diet as we grow up that we are basically just kicking enzymes out like crazy to break down all this processed food instead of eating high enzyme food like fresh fruits and vegetables and things like that that would have enzymes in them, we are forcing our body to do all of the job and our food is doing none of the job. And enzymes are a finite thing. It's a very interesting thing. We are built with a specific capacity of enzymes that we can ever produce in our lives. And as we start to produce less, the older we get and, uh, it, it doesn't it doesn't get better, I guess is the best way to put it. The older we get, the less we produce because the body cannot survive without enzymes. You will die if your body stops producing enzymes. And so as the body runs low on supply, it starts to throttle back production and therefore we end up deficient. And the only way to solve that deficiency, unfortunately, is to either eat enzyme-rich foods uh, or supplement with enzymes. 
So probiotics, enzymes, I'll go into more detail on both of those uh, in a little bit, but those are those first two questions, antibiotic history, um, how were you born and were you breastfed? What is your age? At the age of 50 plus, we often find Americans low in stomach acid. Now, all of this can happen younger than the ages I'm telling you, but these are kind of general rules of thumb. So if you're over 50 and you're struggling with digestion, especially if you really haven't struggled with it too much until the last you know few months or years, there's a decent chance that stomach acid is a little low. And one of the simplest and best ways to improve that is adding apple cider vinegar capsules with your meals to basically just give a boost of natural acids in the stomach that will do you know similar work to what your uh, stomach acid does. So the age thing matters too. If you're experiencing a lot of stress while eating, now, if you're a regular listener to my show or you've heard me talk on uh, Just Ingredients podcast, you've heard me talk about this possibly, but stress is a big factor in, in digestion. In fact, it's a huge factor because, again, remember the gut-brain connection is real and you'll know that if you're, if you're an anxious type person or you deal with anxiety or even if you just occasionally get anxiety – Oftentimes you feel that in the gut, right? You feel that uneasiness in the gut. Well, there's a reason for that, and that is that gut-brain you know, loop of information going back and forth. And so we have to remember that eating under stress when we're in the fight-or-flight mode will reduce our capacity to digest that meal by as much as 90%. It's a big, big deal because the body is in a state of stress, it expects to have to get up and run or fight or something, not sit comfortably and digest the meal. So when you're eating, if you're eating on the run because you're late for a thing, that will be a challenge. If you're eating while watching the news or scrolling, you know, TikTok or whatever it is you scroll or anything that might add additional stress to the situation, then yes, you're going to have a harder time breaking down your food. So I obviously am going to recommend resisting electronics and embracing either silence or a calm conversation uh, while you're eating and do a little breath work, just some basic breathing before you eat. I think it's very useful too if you're someone who is uh, who likes to pray. I think praying for a calm and peaceful uh, mealtime and uh, just getting yourself in the mindset of I need to focus on digesting this meal and enjoying this meal, not wolfing it down and rushing off to the next thing, it makes a difference, a big, big difference. Uh, do you deal with anxiety and depression generally or other mental health issues? Because again, gut-brain connection, big deal. Did you know that one of the leading pharmaceutical recommendations by doctors for irritable bowel syndrome is an SSRI? That's a serotonin drug like Prozac or Zoloft. Why? Well, Interestingly enough, as I read about this, they don't necessarily know why. It's an off-label prescription, technically, um, but they prescribe it because it seems to help. Well, maybe because the gut-brain connection is real, and if you can get on top of stress and anxiety and... Um, and uh, depression and things like that, then yes, you will digest food more efficiently. Now, I'm not saying go out and grab some Prozac or Zoloft. What I'm saying is if that's the drug option they have, well, first off, they're 
barking up the wrong tree, I think, because at best it's a symptom reliever. It's not why you're not digesting your food effectively. Certainly Prozac and Zoloft are not deficiencies that you've experienced up to this point. So we have to remember, though, if we struggle with stress and anxiety and we struggle with gut issues, they are kind of, you know, they're so intertwined, they're almost one and the same. Because I believe that if you can improve your gut health, you will improve your mental health. I also believe that if you improve your mental health, you will improve your gut health. They are, again, intertwined in a very, very um, specific way. And if you deal with one or the other, it's often uh, the case that you deal with both. I think the number is 85% of people who deal with depression also, or sorry, that deal with IBS also deal with depression. I think that's right uh, as far as the numbers. So it's a big deal. And we have to recognize that sometimes the gut issues are a symptom of another thing. The problem is this is kind of a who came first, what came first, chicken or the egg scenario, because we have to remember that your mental health can and does impact your gut health in a big way. And your gut health can and does impact your mental health in a big way. So whenever somebody asks me about anxiety or depression, and if you've heard me talk about this, you've already heard this, I always say, well, the first thing you need to do is look at what's going on with your gut. And I start talking about antibiotic history like I did at the beginning of this conversation. So these play together very, very well. And it's very important to address both things if you're dealing with uh, gut health, gas and bloating with meals. Do you still have your gallbladder is the next question I ask. You know, they say you can live without it. And indeed, you can live without it. Can you live optimally without it? Uh, I'm not so sure about that. I think that a lot of gallbladders are removed prior to them really being needed to be removed. But if it's gone, it's gone. You can't get it back. And of course, the gallbladder plays the essential role of metering, essentially, when your uh, body needs or when your digestive system needs bile. Otherwise, without the gallbladder, you get kind of a slow drip of bile. You're not getting it as needed in the quantities needed. And so generally speaking, you're not getting enough bile when you're eating fats that you need to digest and break down. So if you're missing your gallbladder, then you have to look at bile salts or tudka. And I'll go into that a little bit at the end when I go through the you know most more specific supplement recommendations, but that's a big question as well. Next question is: Does this happen? This gas and bloating does it happen every time I eat, or just some or occasional meals? You know, this is a twice a week kind of a thing, or you know, only when I eat out or whatever that kind of thing. Isolating the foods that specifically seem to impact you is a must. Food sensitivity is a common thing in today's America. I don't believe it was that common before, but it has become more and more and more common now. Um, I think the numbers are, uh, are they're really kind of alarming in terms of everything from like peanut allergies to more uh, to things like, of course, gluten sensitivity or um, celiac, that kind of thing. We deal with a lot of food sensitivities. And this is a challenge because the palette of foods that we get to choose from is massive. So trying to figure out what the heck it is you're sensitive to can be a challenge. But if you do feel like you've got food sensitivities, if you have been, been able to isolate uh, and say, yeah, I really do struggle with dairy or I struggle with gluten or I struggle when I eat too much sugar or you know whatever it is, 
If you deal with those things and you have figured out that some of those things are an issue, then of course you have a couple of choices. You can avoid that food, which at least until you get your gut in better shape is probably a good idea because if you keep feeding that food to yourself, it's going to create more uh, inflammation, which is going to create more of the potential that you may already have for leaky gut. I believe that most food sensitivity and leaky gut, basically if you have food, sens food sensitivity, I believe you pretty much always have leaky gut. Um, how severely you have leaky gut, hard to say. But if you don't repair the leaky gut and you continue to shove that food down there that causes sensitivity, the odds are you're not going to get less sensitive. You're going to become more sensitive, not just to that food, but, to, but potentially to other foods as well. So in the case of leaky gut or food sensitivity, we're back to probiotics. Probiotics are a major factor in that, but I'll go into more detail on other things you can do for leaky gut when I get down to the bottom and we start talking about the supplemental approach to this. The next question you want to ask yourself, do you know of any obvious or suspected uh, triggers that you have not eliminated or haven't considered eliminating, but when you eat them, you pretty much don't feel so hot. And that's when, and, and if you haven't tr uh, found any obvious ones, if you haven't gotten there yet, then the question is, well, how do you figure out if you've got food sensitivities, right? And so I always recommend eliminating kind of one thing at a time that is on the sort of high um, sensitivity list, we'll say. And that's typically going to be pasteurized dairy. I specifically say pasteurized dairy because my experience has been that raw dairy, in many cases, raw milk will actually help to rebuild and strengthen the gut as opposed to pasteurized dairy, which tends to cause more issues uh, than, it ca than benefit uh, in the gut. So if you eliminate dairy for, say, you know, two weeks to a month and you feel significantly better, then you have two options, in my opinion, at that point, and that is either avoid dairy or swap out, find a raw dairy that you can buy your uh, milk and cheese and things like that from and enjoy that stuff the way nature intended it, not after it's been massively processed and beat up by homogenization and pasteurization. The next big one, of course, is gluten. Nobody wants to give up gluten. Trust me on that. Uh, my wife and I are almost completely gluten-free with the exception of sourdough, uh, and which of course, for the most part, eats up that gluten. And it it's an adjustment. It's a massive adjustment. But if you deal with gluten intolerance, you're going to deal with a lot of these types of uh, issues. And gluten intolerance in many cases can also lead to a higher level of anxiety, depression, and things like that if you have those issues. High levels of sugar, especially refined sugar, can really mess with the gut, create a lot of inflammation. So that's another one you can consider eliminating. If you're not sure on the gluten thing, go gluten-free for two weeks to a month, like I said. Slowly move it back in and see if things get worse. And, you know, that's an easy way to tell. Um, there are a bunch of other things, but I'm going to throw out just one uh, that I don't think most people think of because it's considered a health food. 
I don't necessarily consider a health food anymore, and that is brown rice. Now, you'd think brown rice is, you know, more natural. It's more as it is in nature than white rice. But the uh, the hole on the brown rice is a real problem for two people that I know, me and my wife. Uh, we both have discovered that brown rice is a real problem for us. We don't do well. We do fine with jasmine rice. We do fine with basmati rice. These are white rices that are not enriched. I don't like enriched rice at all. Um Basmati and jasmine, no problem. We can eat those all day long. They don't bother us. Brown rice is a real bear for us. So that's one that you may be thinking, hey, I'm eating something that's real health promoting. Uh, at least experiment with not doing brown rice for a while and see if you do better without it. Because that's one, like I say, it's just sort of a hidden one that most people don't think about. If you do think that you have food sensitivities, like I said before, this is a classic sign of leaky gut. And you should definitely consider a leaky gut protocol, which I'll lean uh, into you know, later in this program. Another question you need to ask yourself is, do you also get acid reflux or heartburn? If so, I dedicated an entire show to this topic, um, episode 341, I believe it is. I'm saying doing that off the top of my head because I recommend it off the all the time. But if it's not 341... <laughs> Jessica's going to fix it. She's going to put a link to that show in the show description for you. Um, it's the Digestive Health User's Guide, and it's it largely focused on reflux. So go back to that one if you're dealing with reflux and heartburn because my recommendations there will also improve gas and bloating and all that stuff. And then the last question I want you to ask yourself is, do you deal with constipation? Um, if you are not particularly regular, and let's talk about what that means, at least once a day, and it's not difficult to get rid of, uh, not getting difficult to eliminate, um, then you're constipated. If you're only going once a day and it's a little difficult, eh, I'd probably still say a little constipated. It is different for everyone, for sure. There are some people that don't need to eliminate two, three, four times a day, and they do fine. But most people, at least a couple times a day, if not a few times a day, is optimal. And if you're not there, then you're at least mildly constipated, again, in most cases. So what do you do in that case? Because constipation basically just literally backs up the system, makes it harder for uh, food to be processed in the intestinal tract, which can lead to gas and bloating. So start with making sure that you have enough magnesium. Uh, three to 400 milligrams daily seems to be the sweet spot for most people. I do recommend magnesium bisglycinate as the first option due to its optimal absorption. But if you're really struggling with constipation and like you're not going every day, you're every other, every third, whatever, that sort of thing, at least in the short run, it makes sense probably to consider magnesium citrate. Magnesium citrate is not as bioavailable as magnesium bisglycinate. It will not do as much for you as magnesium bisglycinate in the other areas where magnesium shines. However, it is quite good at helping to alleviate constipation. And what I typically recommend is a combination of like, you know, one capsule of the Vital 5 magnesium bisglycinate with one or two capsules of the magnesium citrate. Uh, Natural Factors is a great brand for that. Um, that you just have to sort of play with the the dose between the two to figure out what your body is going to do best with. And of course, it's a pretty easy thing to look at. And that is, you know, am I going to the bathroom more or not? And, and am I getting diarrhea? If you're getting diarrhea, then too much magnesium citrate and back the ratio off to favor bisglycinate with a little less of the citrate. If you're still struggling after playing around with magnesium, then 
Trifola. It's an old Ayurvedic uh, combination of three herbs. Uh, Trifola is fantastic for this, and it can be used safely daily. I highly recommend it if you struggle with constipation and have not tried Trifola. Uh, it is not super fast acting, not the kind of thing usually you can take you know, occasionally when you need it to help with constipation, more of a daily use thing or at least an every other day kind of thing for most people, uh, but very, very effective. And then another product, this is one I developed years ago called Lean and Clean. Lean and Clean, I don't like it daily. It does have Cascara Sagrada in it, which is a fantastic herb, but there's a little bit of controversy about whether or not it should be taken daily. And frankly, no really great evidence one way or the, the next, in my opinion, as to whether it's safe daily or not. But in, erring on the side of caution, we do know that it's safe for occasional use without any problems. It's been used for hundreds of years. Lean and clean can be used anytime your gut is a little sluggish. You, you know, you didn't go this day, but you usually go. A couple of capsules of lean and clean that night can be a very, very effective thing. Or even using it, you know, like an every other day or three or four day a week type of a thing can be very useful. So I do recommend some combination of the magnesium, the trifla or the lean and clean, or again, some combination of those. Because if you're not regular, we're not going to get you to no gas and bloating consistently anyway, until you become regular in almost every case. So those are the questions that I have for you. Now let's go through, you know, kind of what, what that all means and go into a couple of other possible things that might be going on. So if you've asked yourself these questions and you've been able to pin down a few things that you specifically see as problems for you, then as I go through the supplemental part of this show, um, I think you'll find the answers as to what my recommendations would be there. But there's a couple of things that I want to caution you on. One is you could be dealing with something called SIBO, S-I-B-O, that small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Now, SIBO, I think, is way more common than most people think. And also something that a lot of people, I think the majority of people in America don't even know what it is. Uh, and what does this mean? Well, it means that you've got bacteria up in your upper intestinal tract that has grown to the point where it's creating issues for you. We should have a mass quantity of bacteria in our lower digestive tract down towards our colon and inner colon, not so much in the upper intestinal tract. That's actually supposed to not have a lot of bacteria hanging out in there. When we get an overgrowth of bacteria, which I believe in almost every case happens due to antibiotics, then we can have a problem. Now, there aren't any, in my opinion anyway, based on what I've read, I don't think there are any surefire tests for SIBO that are like going to give you a, an absolute definitive answer. Lots of false negatives with SIBO tests. And so I think it's actually easier to address SIBO if you think you have it. And this show is not on SIBO. If you want to dig into SIBO a little bit, I may even do a whole show on it down the road. I, I it's on my list anyway. Uh, but uh, you can dig into just, you know, Google SIBO um, symptoms and run through that and see if you're dealing with this. If you're dealing with SIBO or you think you're dealing with SIBO, then the best way to address that is to go after the SIBO. Now, in uh, the pharmaceutical world, they'll go after it with antibiotics. But we know, and, I'm, and, and we talked about this before, and we'll talk about it again here in a minute, that antibiotics are not the best answer because 
while you might solve the problem in the upper intestinal tract, you're likely to create more problems in the lower intestinal tract, uh, where the good bacteria is supposed to reside after you wipe out a whole bunch of it with an antibiotic. So what I like to do is take a more natural approach to SIBO. My two favorite things for that are nano silver and oregano oil capsules. Nano silver has some incredible benefits when it comes to wiping out things that, you know, bacterial things that ought not to be where they are, uh, whether that's in the sinus cavity, uh, whether it's in the urinary tract, whether it's in the, um, uh, the ears or the eyes or even the gut. And I love nano silver and oregano oil. I think they're a great one-two punch for SIBO for most people that are dealing with it. And what I suggest basically is doing about a 30-day run on nano silver and oregano oil capsules. I recommend one oregano oil capsule three times a day and nano silver a teaspoon about six times a day. You'd have, you got to get a lot in there to take care of this problem and then see where you're at in a month. In many cases, I would say in most cases, if there is SIBO present, you'll start to actually feel better long before a month comes along, but uh, maybe you won't be optimized until that point. But if you do start to see that you're getting better, that's a pretty good indicator that, yeah, SIBO is probably an issue for you. So that's my recommendation there. Now, as I was saying before, probiotics and enzymes are often the the real answer to this problem. And and in many cases, it's as simple as just that, probiotics and enzymes. Uh, And what I love about probiotics and enzymes is they're not symptom relievers. They're actually problem solvers. And that's a big deal because that's what we do in natural health. We don't want symptom relief. I mean, we do want symptom relief, but not just symptom relief, right? We want to get to the bottom of the problem and getting the gut microbiome built back up and providing uh, things that we're deficient in, like digestive enzymes can absolutely do that. I asked about antibiotics earlier, and the only way to really recover from excessive antibiotic, antibiotic use is twofold. One, stop using them and two, rebuild with probiotics, uh, including prebiotics or prebiotic fiber in your food, keeping in mind that if you have a very sensitive stomach, starting with prebiotics is probably not a great idea. It can actually make you feel worse uh, in the short term. So I typically recommend vital spores from Precision Probiotics for a couple of months prior to adding the prebiotic supplement if you feel like you need the prebiotic. I also think that if you're eating a diet that's you know rich in uh, fiber, you probably don't need a prebiotic supplement anyway. But the first part of that is the most important part of that, I think, and that is avoiding more antibiotics because it's like, you know, if you're building a wall and you get to a certain point on the wall and you go to bed for the night and the next morning you find that half the wall has been pulled down by, uh, you know, some saboteur, right? That's the, essentially what's going on with antibiotics and probiotics. Probiotics are building the wall. They're building the defense system uh, for your immune system, for your gut health, for your brain health, mental health, all of that stuff. And antibiotics are the saboteur that come in and tear down the wall. uh, And we can't ever get there if we keep throwing the saboteur in to knock out the wall that we're trying to build. So I made it 45 years without an antibiotic for anything, ear infections, pink eye, uh, sinus infections, 
you know, prostate infections, urinary tract infections, strep throat, pneumonia, bronchitis, any of these things. I never had an antibiotic. Was it because I was super uniquely healthy? No, actually not. I think I was, you know, as sick as a lot of people. I, I think I probably was healthier than a lot of kids based on some really great decisions my parents made early, including not feeding me antibiotics for things. But I just was raised by parents that knew the natural options and didn't rush to antibiotics with every illness. Now, I'm not a doctor. It's not my position to tell you whether or not to take antibiotics. That's between you and your doctor. But if you educate yourself on the things you can do to prevent the need for an antibiotic, then I believe you can avoid antibiotics. And even the CDC and the AMA and the FDA, even those guys who, generally speaking, promote pharmaceuticals far more than they tell you to avoid them, tell you we're taking too many antibiotics in this country. It's estimated that 70 plus percent of the antibiotics prescribed in this country are unnecessary. I personally believe it's higher than that. Um, but the point is, knowledge is power. And this show is about helping you understand that. So let's go into that briefly, because I don't have enough time uh, on this show. But if you're dealing with chronic infections, or you, you know, get these infections, even occasionally, not chronically, and you're using an antibiotic every, you know, year or two or three or multiple times a year, which I hope you're not, um, then let me give you some things to think about. Sinus infections. I talked about nanosilver. Nanosilver as a nasal wash is the single best thing I've ever seen for sinus infections. Um, It is incredible and works almost every time based on, you know, just anecdotal evidence talking to people who have used it. I've used it myself and I do use it myself anytime I think that I might be dealing with, you know, uh, head congestion, that kind of thing. And the beauty of it is it's making contact right where it needs to be. It's a you know spot treatment, essentially. And it works beautifully against fungal things, viral things, bacterial things. It's fantastic. And keep in mind that your sinus infection is probably not bacterial. Almost all sinus infections are treated with antibiotics in this country if um, someone consults a medical doctor. And about 85% of sinus infections are not bacterial, which means an antibiotic cannot kill them. If you think that your antibiotic is working for your sinus infection, there's about a 15% chance that that is true. But 85% of the time, you've got something viral or fungal, not bacterial, causing the issue. And the only reason the antibiotic seems to help is because your body will naturally resolve a sinus infection in 7 to 10 days which interestingly enough is exactly how long most prescription antibiotics run for, seven to 10 days. So you think the antibiotic has done the job, but in reality, your body did the job and you just weakened your defenses against the next sinus infection. So this is really important, really, really important. You can and almost always should avoid an antibiotic for sinus infections, in my opinion. Urinary tract infections. Not quite the same thing because urinary tract infections are pretty much always bacterial. Uh, So therefore, an antibiotic in many cases will eliminate the urinary tract infection. However, you are also just setting yourself up for a cycle of more urinary tract infections. D-mannose, phenomenal stuff. This stuff has a powder that tastes like a mild sugar, super easy to take in a little bit of water. 
you take a teaspoon four times a day in about three or four ounces of water and then wait 45 minutes after each dose of D-mannose and drink a full glass of water, at least eight ounces, preferably 12 to 16. You do that four times a day and the clinical studies that have been done on that, they have indicated that it's 100% effective against E. coli-based urinary tract infections, which 90% of urinary tract infections are E. coli-based. So it appears that D-mannose is the answer in most cases. And if the D-mannose doesn't do the job in a day or two or three, which is usually within 72 hours, you're there, the antibiotic is always there. But you can also throw cranberry at it. Um, you can hibiscus tea is phenomenal for urinary tract infections. Um, there's a lot of options that you have there, and of course, nano silver is also a fantastic option. Ear infections, back to silver, fantastic stuff as an eardrop. But also, I love mullein and garlic, uh, garlic and willow bark, which help also with the discomfort. Uh, any of those things, in most cases, do the job. Strep throat, strep throat is uh, is a bit of a toughie because. Um, there's, you know, concern of letting strep run too long and, and creating more of a, a, a bigger issue. So you have to be a little bit cautious with this and pay attention to the advice of your, you know, medical professional. But in most cases, if you do all the things that it takes to kick your immune system up into gear, uh, things like, you know, echinacea and elderberry and oregano and nano silver, especially nano silver, uh, gargled and swallowed six, seven times a day. Um, these things, along with high levels of vitamin C, you know, just really going after resolving uh, an immune challenge uh, when you're dealing with something like strep or a significant sore throat, cold, flu, that kind of thing. All of those things are fantastic weapons that you can have in your arsenal. A formula I developed that I absolutely love for that is Get Well, Stay Well, which has oregano, olive leaf, um, echinacea, uh, what am I missing? Um, elderberry, as well as vitamin C and zinc. Get Well, Stay Well is a fantastic product uh, if you're dealing with those types of things. Lots of options, lots of options short of antibiotics. Personally, I believe that antibiotics should be reserved for severe illnesses where they can actually save a life. Otherwise, there is usually an alternative after which, um, or, or often the simplest alternative is just rest and time. We usually get over these things on our own if we give it a little bit of time and a little bit of rest. Uh, and then, of course, these other you know natural remedies that I just, uh, discussed with you. Again, not a doctor, not medical advice, just my opinion based on the research and evidence I've seen in all my years working with people with their health and wellness. This is all for educational purposes only. If you can avoid antibiotics, in the meantime, you can then also be rebuilding your microbiome with vital spores. Over time, your immune system is likely to toughen up and prevent these chronic infections in the first place. Because remember that about 80% of your immune system resides in your gut. It takes time to rebuild, but it is possible. If you deal with any of these chronic issues, I suggest vital spores, precision probiotic vital spores, once a day for at least six months to give your body enough juice, so to speak, get the microbiome built back up enough that your immune system is now handling the problem in the first place, not allowing the infection to take over. Okay, now let's talk about the four main components of digestion so we can get a little bit dialed in on what you may be, may be missing, what you may be needing. 
if you are low in stomach acid, and typically, but not always, this occurs in people over 40 and especially people over 50, but it can definitely be in younger people as well. But if you're low in stomach acid, two things that I absolutely love for this, apple cider vinegar capsules with each meal. The vinegar needs to be in the stomach at the time that the food is in the stomach, and I typically recommend the vinegar actually a little before the meal, not 30 minutes, like three or four or five minutes. Um, but even if you forget and take it after the meal, there's real value there as well. And it's, I will say to a large degree, that is a symptom reliever. It's putting the acid in the stomach when you need it. If it's not there with that meal, it won't help you with that meal. It's not going to rebuild your acid supply, but it's a very inexpensive and very effective uh, thing and actually has some other benefits too because apple cider vinegar capsules that are made correctly still contain what's called the mother, which has the enzymes and probiotics in it as well, can be very useful. And we just released a brand new apple cider vinegar capsule in the Vitality Nutrition, Nutrition brand uh, just a couple of weeks ago. So that's a one I'm very, very excited about to have available for you. More of a kind of a problem solver, maybe aloe vera. Um, aloe vera in the whole leaf form, the only brand that I love and really, really trust in this category is Aloe Life. I've had phenomenal results with their products personally over the years, especially when I dealt with my reflux issues 26 years ago now. Um, aloe Stomach Formula or Aloe Stomach Plus, I think is what it's called. Fantastic product. What has been shown with aloe is it helps you absorb the nutrients in your food or from your supplements much more efficiently, on average around 30% better absorption, which is huge. A lot of people struggle with absorbing nutrients, especially if your gut's not doing so great. Aloe helps with that. Aloe does internally much like it does externally on a sunburn, except you can't slather it on and let it sit there. You have to kind of swallow it and it does its work a little at a time. So you got to do it for three to six months to see really significant improvements in many cases. But aloe vera stomach formula, there's indications that it may actually help rebuild your body's ability to produce more stomach acid over time. That is really, really cool. So those are your low stomach acid solutions. Digestive enzymes, we talked about those. Remember, age is a major factor. If you're over 35, there's a pretty good chance you're deficient. Stress is a huge factor. We don't produce enzymes well when we're under stress because our body is not worried about digesting foods. It's worried about fighting or flying. And of course, if you don't think you need enzymes every meal because you feel pretty good most times when you eat, but not so much when you have a larger meal or a more challenging meal, you know, you know maybe it's a lot of junk food, fried food, that kind of thing, or unfamiliar meals, you know, things out at restaurants or, you know, things you're not used to, then in many cases, just taking enzymes with those meals is a really effective uh, thing to do. But uh, in most cases, taking with every meal is a win because even if you're not dealing with gas and bloating, if you're taking enzymes with every meal, they also enhance your body's ability to absorb nutrients, to break down food more efficiently. They work downstream as well. Enzymes will help alleviate things like constipation because we're breaking down food higher up, creating less of a log jam down below. So that's what... Uh, th those are the you know the benefits of digestive enzymes, and again, they must be used at every meal. Um, the microbiome is another major player in gut health and digestion, of course, and the big 
two things there to rebuild the microbiome is first stop tearing it down with antibiotics and antibacterial things uh, as much as you possibly can and start promoting regrowth of the microbiome through vital spores uh, probiotics. The last thing would be bile. Our liver and our gallbladder team up to get bile to us when we need it. If we don't have a gallbladder, there's a really good chance with high fat meals, you'll want to take either ox bile or tudka. Now, tudka is the stronger of the two and has some really incredible benefits in terms of detoxifying the liver. So that's my personal preference of the two. I love tudka for that. Uh, but bile salts in many cases work really, really well as well. And you can, of course, experiment with both. Tudka is a form of bile salts. Um, just uh, And I'm going to do a show on tudka down the road too because it's fascinating stuff. But anyway, tudka, bile salts, those are going to be your companions if you struggle with fatty foods or um, do not have a gallbladder. If you feel that you've already found the answer now as through all of this stuff as to what you need to try, then that's awesome. But if not, what I'm going to do here is give you what I think is a list of things that you can experiment with. And I'll give them to you kind of an order, knowing that if you experiment with these things, you're not going to hurt anything. You may take something that doesn't do the job, but we're not throwing anything at you that's going to create a bunch of problems or symptoms or side effects or anything like that. Uh, and sometimes it does just simply take some trial and error. Uh, so I mentioned these all before, but I'm going to mention them again uh, in more detail, specifically by product now. So when we talk enzymes and probiotics, one thing that I developed 12, 13 years ago now is a formula called Back on Tract. It's a combination of spores, uh, spore probiotics, digestive enzymes, and also herbs that are very soothing to the digestive system. Back on Tract is such a cool product because it covers three of these bases that are really big, all in one, and you can just take it with each meal. And it's a really great way to test the waters on am I deficient in enzymes? Because the probiotic in back on track isn't going to deliver a lot of benefit right out of the gate. It will in long in the long term, but in the short term, probably not significant benefit from that in the first you know week or two. But the enzymes in there absolutely will. So if you're deficient in enzymes and you try back on track and it works, then or sorry, if you try back on fact track and it works, back on tract that is like digestive tract, then odds are you're deficient in digestive enzymes. And back on track can solve that issue. Or if you determine that you don't need the probiotics, you're already taking a good spore pro probiotic and you're not getting the relief that you need, then the assimilate enzymes would be the next option, which are just enzymes minus the probiotic and minus the soothing herbs. Uh, so assimilate or back on track, great place to start. If you're not doing any of this stuff at all, supplementally, back on track is my starting place 100% of the time. Once you've done back on track for a month or two, and you're, if you're doing well, but you're not doing as well as you'd like to, or you're worried about, again, building up the gut from, to prevent chronic infections and some of these other things, or if you have the mental health things that we were, dealing, we were talking about, remember that Vital Spores, Precision Probiotic Vital Spores, that product contains psychobiotics that work in the brain, as well as the gut probiotics that are going to help rebuild uh, the gut. And if you're dealing with SIBO, like I talked about earlier, human strain probiotics many times will make SIBO worse because we're delivering probiotics, extra bacteria into an area that's already got too much bacteria in it. 
The beauty of the vital spores is they'll bypass the stomach. They get opened up in the intestinal tract, but they don't do anything to create extra bacteria in the upper intestinal tract, only in the lower intestinal tract, because these are transient probiotics. They don't stay in the body. They hang out for around 30 to 45 days, it appears. And while they're in there, they create this environment that is super conducive in the colon to building the microbiome, but they don't mess with SIBO. They don't add more fuel to that fire. And so it's a much safer approach. If you're not sure if you've got SIBO, the vital spores are going to be a more effective and safer approach than human probiotics um, by far. The last one that I mentioned, but I'll mention it one more time, apple cider vinegar capsules. I like the capsules over the liquid. People ask me this all the time. A couple of reasons. One is the liquid is just plain hard to take for a lot of people, and it's not very portable, right? Um, I like apple cider vinegar. Personally, I like apple cider vinegar. I think it actually tastes pretty good. It doesn't bother me, but it's harsh, right? And it can kind of burn on the way down. Um, I personally don't think you should take it undiluted. I think it's a little too harsh undiluted, um, especially if you deal with a lot of reflux issues. So my recommendation is just simply use the capsules for digestive purposes. I think they're easy, portable, and absolutely do the job for most people. I also mentioned aloe before, and I really don't think you can go wrong with aloe. Uh, you may not need it per se, but it's so effective for helping to repair the gut lining, helping to uh, improve digestion, helping to uh, calm and soothe uh, the digestive tract, helping to improve stomach acid production, helping with so many other things that if you wanna throw aloe in the mix just because it's really, really good for you, be my guest. I recommend it about five minutes before you start eating. Uh, so you've got it in the stomach just a little bit ahead of the food. And I recommend about a teaspoon to a tablespoon per meal. And you just have to play that out and see how your body does with that. If you do suspect leaky gut, aloe is an absolute for me, along with either PEA capsules. All of these will be linked in the show description. Or collagen. Um, you can also do PEA and collagen. Collagen has a lot of extra side benefits. PEA has a lot of extra side benefits. So oftentimes I'll tell my clients, I'll, I'll just quiz them a little bit. Are you looking for something? I know you're looking for something for leaky gut, but are you also looking for something for fine lines and wrinkles or arthritis uh, or something like that? Collagen works in all those areas. Or do you have a lot of pain and discomfort? Do you have back pain, um, nerve pain? Uh, knee pain, hip pain, those kind of things. PEA works as a really great natural pain reliever. And so, again, you can use both. They're both great. Uh, or you can use one or the other, but both of them have been shown to actually improve the integrity of the gut lining and um, tighten up the tight junctions and prevent leaky gut. And of course, vital spores. I'm going to start sounding like I'm beating a dead horse here, but vital spores, they're the baseline of all of this. And the vital spores have been shown, uh, um, uh, three of the spores that are in vital spores have been shown specifically to help aid in leaky gut in a relatively quick period of time. Okay, so as I said before, there are a lot of variables here because your body is your body. Your lifestyle and diet are your own, and this simply is not a one-size-fits-all situation. However, as I've stated before, for the large majority of people, back on track, which contains the spores, the enzymes, and the soothing herbs, is an excellent place to start. Vital spores along with that 
uh, is even better in most cases, but I do usually recommend you start with back on track for a week or two, experiment with that, see where you get, and then potentially add the vital spores as another line of defense, especially if you are concerned about leaky gut uh, or the mental health issues that we talked about, the anxiety, depression, that kind of thing. The only reason I don't recommend starting them at the exact same time for some people, if you're very sensitive, sometimes too many spores at once can create um, discomfort in the gut while your body is kind of adjusting. So back on track is a nice way to sort of uh, kickstart it without going too strong and then adding the precision probiotic vital spores, uh, you know, a month, two months in makes a lot of sense. Once you've gone a month on back on track or back on track and vital spores, at that point, depending on what you're dealing with and, you know, what your symptoms look like at that point, Apple cider vinegar is a really good next step. If you're getting results, it's better than it was, but it's not all the way better than the apple cider vinegar capsules. Make a ton of sense at that point. Add those in. As I said, there's a lot of trial and error here. And if you don't pick the quote unquote right thing at first, you're not going to hurt anything. So the question is just what is the kind of combination of things between food elimination, between... Um, you know, in, increasing and, and improving regularity between looking at um, sensitivities, leaky gut. What is it that's going on in your case? I hope that I've given you the questions to, to ask and that you've been able to give yourself the answers that you need to walk through this effectively. Um, gassiness and bloating are your body telling you that it needs help. So I hope that today's show provides the education you need to help your body do perhaps its most important job, which is to digest, assimilate, and eliminate your meals. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Vitality Radio. I want you to know that I will have a homeopathic minute coming all about Arnica, but we're not going to do it until next week because this show simply uh, ran a little bit too long. And I think this is such a vital topic for so many people. I didn't want to shortchange it and, and uh, you know, go less than the full hour for this one. So I will have a homeopathic minute coming at you soon. Should be next Wednesday. Uh, in the meantime, if you have questions on anything you heard, 801-292-6662. You can call us even if you're out of state. Uh, you can call us. We're happy to answer questions. Send you stuff over through the mail if you want. And, of course, you can always jump on our website, vitalitynutrition.com. We're here to serve you to the best of our ability. Thank you to those who have listened for a long time and have stuck with me. And thank you and welcome to those who have just recently found this podcast. I hope it is providing benefit for you. Please let me know through social media. We're all over Instagram. Those links will be in the show description. You can also join the Vitality Radio listeners community, uh, which is a growing uh, and awesome group of people that you can ask and answer questions in there. And I jump in there uh, on a regular basis, as does my assistant, Jessica, to make sure that we're helping out as well. All of those links, as, as well as the links to everything I discussed in this show, are in the show description of your podcast app. Thank you so much for listening to me. I'm Jared St. Clair, and this has been Vitality Radio. been listening to the vitality radio podcast enjoy your week in the meantime jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it 
Vitality Radio is researched and written by Jared St. Clair. Our awesome music is by Brian Bob Young. Support Vitality Radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or your favorite podcast source. Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you.